This is not even what college football in Canada needs. This is what sports in Canada needs. Is that somebody who's intrinsically motivated to see them do well, not somebody who is like works at this place that just got an assignment slid across their desk like go out to uh you know 100 university avenue and cover the waterloo warriors every summer i'll come home to toronto and i'll always find myself training with cfl guys ncaa division one guys and the odd one or two time nfl guy right just through these trainers i'll be working with and the one thing i always noticed was everybody knew the d1 guy right because of media coverage everybody knew the CFL guy because of media coverage. Everybody knew the NFL guy, of course, because of media coverage, but nobody knew the guy that went to the Canadian universities because of lack of media coverage. And so I discovered to myself, this is not right. Something's wrong here. All right, so we just had uh, Deshaun Stevens from Persevere hop on the podcast. Uh, great episode, very fire. I didn't say much because I was just soaking in the entire thing. Uh, You're in the zone. Guys, I was, yo, because you guys are in the sports world, so... I was just soaking in all that information. I think this was super jam-packed with a lot of information that the casual fan doesn't get to partake in. Yeah, and I mean, this was episode 11 for us. And after 10 episodes of just our two voices, we thought it was about time to bring on somebody else from the Canadian sports industry, let them talk about their perspectives, their views, their experience. And so we got Deshaun, who started his own media company while he was, you know, transitioning out of being a player and going into being a professional. And man, now Persevere is literally doing millions of impressions. Uh, and they're putting out videos that are going viral, getting picked up by Barstool, ESPN, and all of the biggest platforms. So this guy's really moving and shaking it, and he's got a lot of wisdom to share. Yeah, I really enjoyed the fact that um, he shared really how he started something that was just an idea because he spotted a gap in the industry and then turned it into a media company. I think that's super huge because um, as a, a podcast, I focus on sports business. This is one of the pillars within the industry that needs to be grown in Canadian sports. And so having a sports media company within Canadian sports that focuses specifically on amateur athletes, uh, Canadian university athletes, I think that's super important. And um, yeah, Deshaun showed us a lot behind the scenes in terms of how he he's built this company, but he also talked about the future of youth sports and what he sees uh, happening in the industry in terms of not only building the professional industry, but also helping people find jobs within uh, within Canadian sports, within sports media, within sports business, and staying home, really retaining talent in Canada. Yeah, so we talked about everything from... Uh, you know, how he's going to evolve from a media company into a production company and, you know, talk about scholarships, full scholarships in youth sports. We talked about who are the ideal Canadians that he would love to work with. And we just talked about, you know, asking, asking for asking for money. You know, we talked about running a business, growing as an entrepreneur, all those kinds of things. So it's an interesting one. Make sure that you listen to it. Um, and if at any point in time you find something that was great, you can you can pay us back by just hitting that subscribe button, sharing it with a friend. But without further ado, uh, here's our conversation with Deshaun Stevens from Persevere. I was going to say is I've been listening this year and I was thinking to myself, like, this is what this is not even what college football in Canada needs. This is what sports in Canada needs is that somebody who's intrinsically motivated 
to see them do well. Not somebody who is like works at this place that just got an assignment slid across their desk, like go out to, uh, you know, 100 University Avenue and cover the Waterloo Warriors. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like you need somebody who's interested in the stuff because they're going to put more effort and passion into it. And it shows in the product that you're putting out. And then people like me and Jimmy and other people who actually blood, sweat, and tears went into these programs actually have a way of now keeping up with the teams that they're a part of. Like, cause I came up on the score watching like Tim and Sid and like DJ yeah. Bennett. Yeah. Uh, we all know what happened to that. Like it's yeah. no more. And um, man, like it's just a, we need it, bro. So I appreciate it. So that's why we wanted to talk to you for real. No, I, I appreciate y'all. First off, yo, appreciate y'all just like taking a 10 p.m. on a Thursday to like to speak with me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I appreciate that because like it's late night, late in the week. Everybody wants to go to their bed, get ready for Friday, whatever it is, you know. But um, no, like even just, you know, for you being a take it or leave it listener, like I appreciate that. I appreciate the support, you know, and I think like we'll get into it a lot over the course of the conversation. But a lot of like, you know, like a lot of the fuel that goes into this is like hearing those things right like hearing that feedback hearing people say those things um and i'll talk about it later but those ones upon a time where like i wasn't talking to nobody and just doing this from this desk in my room and like didn't know what people thought didn't know people loved it didn't know people hated it but i was just like let me just try it out right um so then not to hear to hear feedback to hear people say like yo this is really cool or hey like this really like you know helps solve this problem for me or this really helps you know keep me in the loop on this like that's love right and, and those are the type of things that like when it's like when when there's when it comes to a crossroads where it's like yo like can we keep doing this do we want to keep doing this do we want to get rid of this we kind of think that's like oh but listen like this is the feedback that we got on this like this is important let's just keep this around right or if there's something we didn't go don't get feedback on it's maybe like, hey let's you know cut this out um but stuff like that goes a long way trust me so appreciate you of course of course yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, it's, it's funny because I like for me, I I just see, I remember you just read to you were tweeting about U Sports, yeah. and I'm like, yo, there's somebody that covers U Sports, <laughs> <laughs> automatic follow. Like I have no, no no interaction with you, an automatic follow. And then I realize you're like you're covering the Laurier and all the different sports. I'm like, bro, I actually can now like follow my favorite university sports. I can actually follow somebody that actually knows about the sport. It's not just tweeting a highlight or something. They're, they're talking about like the importance of this, of this play the importance of the, the team's success. I was like, yo, this is sick. We haven't had an analyst for U sports. Yeah. Since the university rush. And even back then it was mostly like, highlights they weren't really breaking down yeah, like yeah. The, the the history of the team how the why the team's doing so well the top 10 i want to get into that too later on when we talk about the top 10 because i love yeah. i love seeing that weekly and the, and the breakdown on that but um yo should we should we just fire it off yeah i, I don't even want to break the flow man i think yeah. right let's keep it moving so uh Deshaun stevens how would you describe yourself and, and what you do because you're doing a lot. You're covering a lot. I want to know how the heck you do it, too, because you have information on games that I don't even know where I would watch these games if I wanted to get in-depth analysis on them. So, like, tell the people who you are, what you do, and uh, how you even got started on, you know, persevere, take it or leave it, all that. Okay. Um, you're right. I do a lot. So, for the sake of today, my name is Deshaun Stevens. Um, 
graduate of the University of Waterloo, graduated in 2020, majored in communications and business, uh, was a former U sports football player, never as good as you, though, right? Never as good as you, okay? <laughs> uh, former U sports football player. Uh, nowadays, I go by um, the founder and creative director of Persevere Media Group, commonly known as Persevere. Uh, so essentially, we're a Canadian university sports media company and brand uh, that seeks to reimagine the youth sports fan experience uh, by delivering athlete-driven storytelling and uh, university sports coverage while sitting at the intersection of sports, culture, and innovation. Um, so that's what I do. And then I also, um, around this time of the year, I also turn into like a TV personality. So I'll be a, that's called a part-time uh, sports broadcaster on CBC um, covering the Vanier Cup or covering either the Mitchell Bowl or UTEP Bowl, uh, whichever they kind of like place me at. So uh, those are the two things that I am for the sake of, for the sake of today. Man, that's a lot. And so being somebody who played, I mean, wait, did you play with Tyler Ternowski? I did. Yeah. Okay. That's my dog. Yeah. He... Ternowski, Trey Ford, Tyrell Ford. I played with the who's who. Like I played with probably like the greatest like players in like Waterloo history. I wasn't one of them, but I played with some of the greatest. <laughs> and I got to give props to that program because, you know, I was at Laurier from 2008, 2009. And at that point in time, you know, Waterloo was going through a rough, a rough spell. Mm. Like they had a scandal breakout. There was like a whole, there was like a guy on the team who was like selling steroids or something like that. And that really like dismantled that program. But then there was a regime change. They got new people in there, fresh faces, fresh energy. They got new facilities. And then it was like a completely 180 flip to the teams that like you were a part of that were actually really, really good and uh fun to watch but would you say that being a part of that kind of environment and you know knowing the change of the trajectory of that program that you're part of like is that some some of the inspiration for why you wanted to do this or was it more just you've always been somebody who's interested in the storytelling aspects of things and you saw a void that needed to be filled um i, I say i say a little bit of both so i, I remember really just kind of it was two things. Um, first off, the, the years I was there, so I was there 2015 to 2020, um, them team from 2015 to 2019. And uh, like I said, like sitting in that locker room, the talent in that locker room was crazy. So you had like Trey Ford, right, that everybody knows. You had Tyrell Ford, everybody knows. Uh, Tyler Turnowski, right, doing this thing in Hamilton. Uh, Dion Pellerin, who was a great running back, who got drafted by the Argos. We had a lot of great defensive players, such as like Curtis Gray, who got drafted by like uh, the, the Stampeders. Um, Jack Hinsberger, who's now on the BC Lions. Uh, Josh Brown, who was a great player, never got drafted, but like was definitely in that OUA All Star type of conversation. Um, it, it was crazy, right? And and I think like just being in that locker room, I think at the time, just being on that team you kind of sit around and you're just like oh wow like this is a really special group of players right and and it's just like for me it was like oh wow this might be like the most special group of players in the history of this program and right now like definitely one of the more like talented teams in the country at the time for for you know that couple of years span um but there was just understanding that uh just understanding that when I was in the locker room on a team but really what was the driving force behind persevere starting was every summer I would come home to Toronto. I'm a Toronto guy, um, West End guy specifically. And which what, part? I was 
Egg West, Eglinton Avenue West. Uh, West okay, you, you got to shout it out whenever you get a chance. <laughs> yeah, I have to. I have to. Jane and Finch, Jane and Finch, Driftwood, all those parts, man. Those, those are the parts where I touched on my combo. Um, but every summer I'll come home to Toronto and I'll always find myself training with CFL guys, NCAA Division One guys, and the odd one or two time NFL guy, right? Just through these trainers I'll be working with. And the one thing I always noticed was the hard work across the board was the same right the the will and the passion to want to be great across the board was the same in some cases the talent level between the americans and the canadians was the same right but the one thing that was different was that everybody knew the d1 guy right because of media coverage everybody knew the cfl guy because of media coverage Everybody knew the NFL guy, of course, because of media coverage, but nobody knew the guy that went to the Canadian universities because of lack of media coverage. And so I discovered to myself, this is not right. Something's wrong here, right? Um, there's a problem that needs to be solved. There's a hole in the media industry in this country. And then I did the math, you know, and I said to myself, okay, hold on. So we have 50,000 university students in this country per year, 50,000 university, not my bad, not students, student athletes in this country per year, 50,000 university athletes in this country per year right um all of whom who go on to do like sometimes they go on to do great things such as play in the cfl or compete in the olympics or play pro internationally whether whether it be overseas or whatever it is cbl all that stuff so fifty thousand university athletes in this country per year you have 2.1 million university students in this country per year who could be fans of those athletes if you mark them correctly and nobody is touching that and it all exists in a $3.1 billion industry, which is the Canadian sports industry. And it's like, damn, no one's no, no one's touching that. No one sees potential in that. Okay, let's see if we can do something, right? Because there is a, a, a at least minimum target audience that you could reach that, you know, the 50,000 plus that 2.1 million, that's 2.15 million, right? And then obviously it's in an industry that's obviously worth something that means something to this country, right? And no one's touching that. Let's see if we can do something. And so that's kind of like the seeds of how Persevere really came to be. Um, just understanding that problem. And then me personally, uh, I was always a, a person who was interested in media. So I studied business and communications in university. But growing up, I always wanted to study journalism. Like I always wanted to go to TMU or Carleton to study journalism. Um, but I was actually too scared to go and study journalism because I was like, this is a really specific thing to study. And if I study this and I don't get a job in this, what am I going to do? That's just young boy thinking, right? <laughs> um, so I was like, let me just go to a school, like a good school and try to study something more broad, such as business that could be like kind of applied to everything or whatever you want it to be. And then communications applied to everything, right? Um, but that journalism, that media itch kind of was always there. So for me, it was he like- said, He said, let me just go to a good school and then went to Waterloo. Yeah, that's what I'm going to say. Waterloo's like one of the hardest schools, <laughs> top-notch uh, academic-wise. Yeah, world-renowned, yeah. world-renowned. But that's that's amazing, man. And I yeah. think credit to you to not only see what was a huge void, because like I shared, I went through a similar, I was in a similar position because I played in the OUA. So I, I saw certain things, maybe the timing and the opportunity that you had 
that kind of, you know, training with those guys, like you said, it illuminated for you very clearly. But kudos to you, though, for acting on it. And when you started to put it in motion, I could tell by the way that you speak about it, you're studied, you're calculated. There's been a lot of effort and research and planning. Even the way that you describe it, it's 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 well-crafted. So how did you go from this abstract concept of, yes, let's tell the stories, let's tell the untold stories of our domestic heroes on the rise. How do you go from that idea to now you actually have a, a media company that's doing millions of impressions, millions of impressions. I saw on LinkedIn, the the mm. quarter, third quarter report. I'm like, is that an M? Is that a, is that millions of impressions this guy is doing through all of yeah. the content that you're putting out? Like, I this is not to be slept on. Oh, Jimmy had it on the radio. You, you know how to pull it up. You know how to pull it up. Yeah, that's our Q3 report that just dropped today. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's uh, that's July, August, September. Uh, September was an amazing month for us, right? Start of the youth sports season. Um, you know, return of football full time, return of rugby and all these other sports as well. And um, we really were able to, I think like, like the cool thing is like every year we kind of like reevaluate re our approach uh, towards how we're going to cover university sports. Yeah, there's our video consumption. So we also like this year we started calculating like, you know, video views and watch time and engagements and stuff. And um, I just want to highlight like, yeah, that three, that 3,700, 3,571 hours, like that's total watch time. And these are people watching highlights that are like 20 seconds long. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So these are like people are watching highlights of like just a touchdown or like just a pass. Like it's not like they're watching like 10 minute videos or anything like that. Like these are like really short uh, clips. So that's what that, I found that to be really cool. And then the engagements too. Um, yeah, like I think, yeah. And this is like our most engaged content from uh, from Q3. So you have Maya Turner, shout out to Maya Turner, became the first woman to like play in a sports football game and score points against uh, Regina back on. I think it was like September 23rd. Um, that game winning touchdown that Evan Hillock for Western threw against Queens, which that video went viral. Super right. viral. That went yeah. Very, yeah. Yeah. Went very viral. And I love to always tell people, like, hey, I started that on Persevere. Right. That was one of those first like shared game mass attention and somehow that ends up on Sports Illustrated. That's yeah. Cool. Didn't that get picked up by like Barstool? Like yeah. everybody picked yeah. that up. No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it got picked up by everyone. Barstool, ESPN, TSN. Um, Bleach Report, House of Highlights, Sports Illustrated, you name it, like it's been everywhere. Uh, so that was that was pretty cool to see. I, I made a joke with our team. I was like, yo, this might be the first time in the history of like all these platforms that they've ever posted anything you sports related, which is like, That's, like yeah, it's <laughs> probably true. It's yeah, probably and, true. And it's like, yo, four years ago to even again, four years ago when this was all just an idea, like to hear that would have been like a dream. You know, it's like, ah, no way they'd ever ESPN post about esports. No way. Right. So so take us back four years ago. Yeah. You have this idea. What was step one? Like, did you have anybody coaching you? Like, did you just Google your way to this? Like, how how did you figure this out? As I mean, comms, I took comms too, man. Comms didn't tell me how to get four million <laughs> impressions. <laughs> Learn about Marshall McLuhan, man. Yeah. Um, Marshall McLuhan. Uh nah, I'll say this. So what Persevere is today was never what it was in the beginning, right? Like, I think the concept is the same in terms of, like, showcasing Canadian university sports. Um, but how we, would, how we would do it, 
how we would get there, what it would look like, all that stuff was never the same. So I think like, man, I think, what did I do? I just create an IG page, that same IG page that is now the main product for what we do. And I think what I think what I did was I was like, hey, let me just let me just look for someone like a cool athlete that I kind of know in my circle and just try to interview them and like get capture their story, put out like a maybe like a graphic or something with their story and see if it catches on, see if anyone cares. Right. And so um, I remember I put out this story way, way back. I interviewed this uh, track athlete who's at York and she's gone through all these like mental health situations and she was talking to me and opening up about her mental health situations and um so I wrote this like I want to call it an article but it was really just an IG post with a long paragraph like a long caption just about this story and put it out and with like this really janky looking graphic <laughs> you know and I thought it was the coolest thing ever and um and you know I saw people start to you know they start to like it comment share it you start to see oh people care about this this is cool right um there's something here there's something here okay cool let's see what we can do now uh over the summer like just thinking of ideas I don't really know what to do I didn't even know if I want to continue doing it and then it's so funny like that was the summer like 2019 so I, I actually didn't know if I wanted to continue doing person because I was like man it's like that one interview took so much time to do and I was like I don't know if I want to continue doing that okay and the, like basically this long story like Raptors mm -hmm. won the NBA championship and like my happiness is at an all-time high. I'm just like, yeah, like my love for sports is redefined and whatever it is. And I'm like, you know, there's there these stories are important. I gotta tell these stories. I gotta try to do something. And so, anyways, continue and going into the first season, say, like, okay, let's see if we can maybe cover some scores, all that stuff. You know, it was really just like bootstrapping. Like you're you're just bootstrapping all these concepts and ideas that you have of just like, hey, let's try to tell this story. Hey, let's see if people care about this. You know, um, let's see if people care about this game. That's all it is on IG. And and you start to see like the growth of it and all that stuff. But what was really pivotal, I think for me, was just uh, the pandemic. Because I start this in 2019, uh, go all throughout my last year of university. And then I graduate in like winter, like 2020, like my last semester is winter 2020. I graduate, pandemic starts, everyone's locked in at home. I have no job. I just graduated university. No one's hiring and I have nothing to do. And it's just like, what do I do? Okay, well, we got this, we got this really cool idea, right? This cool concept called persevere. Let's see if we can actually work on this thing and really build it to be something so that when the pandemic's done, hopefully one day at the time is what I was thinking, um, that it can, you know, be something that can last long after and whatever and have its own legs. So it was a lot of bootstrapping. Um, but the pandemic was so important for me because that allowed me to sit in my room and be locked up with no distractions and just work on this idea, work on this idea, meditate on it, think about it, pray about it, all that stuff. Um, and that, that though, that like, even like, yeah. And then having no sports in 2020 was like, was cool too, because I mean, it wasn't cool. It was, it was cool for the growth because then it's like, yeah, we have a year now to really think about how we want to do this. Right. We have a year to really think about this now. Right. So I had all this time and for a while I was not employed. And so I'm just like, okay, let me work on this. And then when I get like a couple of jobs, like one of my, my first job in sports being at the CEBL. So now I'm at the CEBL and I still have this perseverity on the side and I'm, you know, I'm working for the league head office with their social media team and I'm 
I'm learning, I'm seeing like how they try to like, you know, really build this league through social media and how they try to like present this brand of this league, uh, you know, through social media so that people catch on and eventually catches on. Now you see people like Drake and Ovio Nico and all these things, people are invested in this league. Um, but like understanding how like, yeah, perception and all that stuff and brand and can be changed through social media. So um, yeah, that that's kind of like how it started, man. Like it really started in 2019 and the, 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 the pandemic really helped fuel the opportunity for me to like meditate on it and, and build it up. So yeah. Yeah. And so that's pretty cool to hear about. I mean, you kind of got the proof of concept off of like a micro blog on one post. Yeah. And and now, you know, you sat down with my dog Curly Gittins Jr. <laughs> you did the tuition talks. Yeah. You have highlight clips that are going viral. Uh you do you do all different kinds of things that are in and around sports, whether it's, you know, the latest stuff or it's evergreen content that lasts. So where do you where do we want to take persevere next or like how do you see the evolution continuing or what what more do you want to do with this is it just to continue the same and just have higher volume or what do you see uh for the future of persevere listen um <laughs> first off like persevere is not even i i think we've 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 done a lot of great things um which is really really cool but there's so much more that we have like in stock, like for the future. Um, so it's going to be really, really cool. But I'll say this. I think one of the biggest things I always focus on is like through this, through this journey, what I've realized is that uh, in Canada, uh, there aren't many options to consume sports media. Uh, there aren't many options. So your, your big options are really like your Sportsnet, your TSN, your CBC Sports. Right. Um, and because there aren't many options to consume media, there aren't many options for people to work in sports media. Right. So you only have your three major companies in the States. There's a lot of sports media companies. There's a lot of options. What I actually find is that you have a lot of people who come up in their education here to go into the sports media industry, graduate, can't find a job and they go down south. They leave to realize their industry dreams. Um, and so I think the one of the biggest things I've realized through this is like, hey, if you have another sports media company um, that can create more jobs in this country, then it creates more opportunities for people to graduate, stay here, and realize their industry potential and dreams in Canada. And I think that's really key. Um, and I think a big thing too is just like, yeah, like for me, creating jobs and also having that, you know large-scale sports media company in Canada that puts university athletes first, right? I think uh, you, you see it, all, all of our sports media companies here, uh, it's called the big three, they put professional athletes first, and that's fine, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but I wanna be able to have something in this country that puts university athletes first. Uh, in terms of what's next, man, there's a lot of things, like a lot of things. Um, it's, it's gonna be really, really cool, but you touched on tuition talks, for example. That was our first ever original production, right? So that was our first time being able to bring a filming and camera crew uh, on location to, you know, Toronto Argonauts headquarters at Bebo Field, right? By the way, the Argos great people. I, I didn't know they're fans of what we do, but like they're dope. I Yo, know I'll give I'll give them a pass. 
because they did a good for my uh, they did a good thing for my dog curly curly's a laurier guy you see i got the tie cats hat on right now yeah you know what i got love for anybody in the cfl man i got love for anyone in the cfl as long as it's not game day yeah you know what the the argos for a while they were looking like the uh the toronto golden hawks because they were they were signing so many like laurier guys they had curly yeah they they had curly they had um robbie smith robbie smith like let's go it was crazy bro like yeah yeah. so anyways um tuition talks right that was our first time producing an original like thing like original series right um and so that was kind of like us stepping into like producing right um that was my opportunity to step into becoming a director becoming a producer working with videographers um crafting ideas and bringing them to light the next step for Persevere, to be honest with you, is like, we're going to be doing more of that stuff. Like, I say to you that we're a sports media company, um, but now the next step is to become a sports media and production company, mm-hmm. right? I think that's the, that's the next step for us, to be creating more of that original content um, that, like, you know, people dream of, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And haven't really gotten, um, but are going to get it, right? So uh that's the that's the next major step for us in terms of, of the growth as a company becoming a sports media and production company and we're stepping into that slowly um we just produced we just filmed something a couple weeks ago at laurier actually mm. right <laughs> so mm. grew up in waterloo doing something at laurier right so um and then when it comes to tuition talks there's going to be more of those right and there's going to be there's going to be more original series that come out right and, and so the next step for us the next big step is becoming a sports media production company. But there's there's a lot more, trust me. Um, but it's gonna be cool. And then another thing too is also just like um I work, so I, I work at I work at MLSC and I work in corporate partnerships. Um, I know how important partnerships are. And I think a big thing as well is also inviting companies to be a part of what we do, right? Inviting corporations to be a part of what we do. Um, so there, there will hopefully be a lot of great partnerships that come down the pipeline as well. Um, so yeah, I think those are the key things. So uh, not only are you disrupting traditional media where we, we've had like Bell and Rogers and CBC, you're playing in the sandbox with Uninterrupted Canada and them who are making those features and those documentaries, which I love because the real sports fans, we love documentaries. We love series. We love learning about the human being that wears the jersey, you know, because I think that's what's relatable. We all see a little piece of ourselves in this person. And I think that's why we get excited about sports is that it's like a piece of us gets to live out something that we wanted to do by watching somebody else we feel like we know do it. So, man, that's that's awesome. Hit me up if I could ever if I could ever support in that. But there's so many threads to pull on. We almost don't have enough time. You talked about um, careers. You talked about your career. You talked about people needing to leave the country to go pursue their industry dreams. I think. You talked about the CBL, uh, and in parallel, like I work for Hamilton Sports Group, which has a CFL team, and we have a Canadian Premier League team. I think the Canadian Premier League, the CEBL, very soon the Professional Women's Hockey League, um, you know, whatever leagues do pop up, those upstart leagues do provide jobs for so many people who work back of house, who work game production ticket sales, corporate partnerships, marketing, operations, like that's an underrated thing that happens when you start to feed the ecosystem like you're talking about. It's not only the athlete who benefits, 
it's the person whose cleats are hung up who also benefits who has a passion and needs an outlet for it so you've got you've got a very keen sense of this bigger picture and i think that's something to to spend a second on too so uh you know where do you see canadian sports going because ultimately i think that would be what is affected most by your work it's not just yes of course you're gonna i think i i say you're gonna affect the people who want to watch football and we've been seeing that like there's there's proof there that concept's proven give it time and i think you'll continue to grow but now you're talking about the industry of sports in general, however many billion dollars you evaluated at beforehand. Um, what does Canadian sports as a whole entire landscape need to do to continue to grow? And from your time in the CEBL or working at MLSE, would you say that Canadian sports are growing? Do you say that they're in danger? What would you? What's your take on the industry as it stands right now? Uh, to be honest, I, I think there's so much excitement Um from a professional standpoint, right? So let's take um, let's take MLSC out the picture, right? Because MLSC is, I think it's in a it's in a world of its own when you kind of like own all these sports and, and entities. Um, but think about it over the last like five years, and then looking at like the next five years. So in that ten year span of let's say like twenty, I can't even do the math. I'm not, I'm a business guy, but I'm not good at. Well, we have a rule: no <laughs> yeah. public math. No public yeah, math. So 2018, and then five years down the line, I think that's like 2028. Anyways, so in that 10 year span, you have CBL, so new domestic, you know, professional basketball league. You have CPL that you just talked about, new domestic professional men's soccer league. Um, you're gonna have a new domestic professional women's soccer league that I just heard about that we we heard about like four months ago, and hopefully we'll continue to hear about coming online. That's the, the project eight, exactly. And then you have uh, the PWHL, which you just talked about as well, right? So you have those four, like you have the, yeah, your professional women's hockey league, right? That's domestic, right? Like not domestic, but like two teams in this country, three teams, I think, right? So I, that's that's a lot of growth. And you talk about, again, jobs to create, like that's crazy. Um, it, it's, it's so true because I, I felt it when I worked at the CEBL. Like for me, when I worked at the CEBL doing um, you know, running their PR and media strategy, I was like, like, I was so, I was so shocked at the fact I was like, whoa, I work for a professional basketball league. That's crazy. Like, you know what I'm saying? For a long time, you only thought you could ever work for like the NBA and the NBA to get there. You have to go through all these steps and whatever it is, but I get to be 23, 22 years old working for a professional basketball league. Like that's cool. Um, but yeah, it creates so many jobs in this country. Again, I'm keen on so many people getting to stay home realize their industry potential, realize their industry dreams. Um, they get to grow in the industry here, right? And it also brings a more sense of identity to these certain cities that might not have, you know, the opportunity to have these professional sports teams. Like, for example, Winnipeg and the Winnipeg Sea Bears in the CEBL. They sold out that stadium that last day, what was it called? Canada Life Center. They sold that place out like almost every single game. Mm -hmm. Five years ago, if us three would have had a conversation and said, did y'all know Winnipeg is a basketball city? If someone said that, we would have probably been like, no. Like Winnipeg is Blue Bombers, like Blue Bombers and Jets, you know? that That's all, that's it. But if we said, yeah, Winnipeg could also be a basketball city. 
that's crazy right so i think like no i think like the growth of professional sports in this country is, is amazing right now i think like we're in like a really cool time to see all these leagues coming up um like the cbl the growth of that league has been crazy it's been so ad- admirable to see how that league has grown um from where it was four years ago in season one five years ago in season one getting through the pandemic to now having a team owned by ovio nico and having Ovio affiliation. I went to I went to Scarborough Shooting Stars games this this past offseason and I'm seeing Ovio locals all over the court. That's crazy, right? It doesn't um, get much bigger than that. It doesn't get much bigger than that. Exactly. So I think the growth is amazing. Um, I think it's gonna create more jobs, yes. It's gonna bring more of a sense of identity to these cities and a new sense of community to these cities that we've never really seen before, right? Uh it's gonna it's gonna allow for some of these sports to grow more in this country. So for example, we know basketball is growing in Canada to have a domestic professional basketball league fuels that growth. We know soccer is growing in Canada to have a to have a couple of domestic soccer leagues fuels that growth. Right. Hockey will always be hockey. But I think to have like a professional women's hockey league. Right. Fuels that growth of women's hockey. So we're fueling the growth of these sports in this country. But listen, what I'm focused on, mm. what I'm focused on, and y'all know this is what's going to do for the professional pipeline that's connected to Canadian university sports. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because now through leagues such as the CEBL, you can now have university basketball players get drafted professionally and play professional basketball in the summertime, get their tuition a little bit paid for, come back to youth sports. You see what I'm saying? Because this CPL, you can have youth sports soccer players get drafted and play professionally and make a living in this country, right? Because of the PWHL, you can have youth sports women's hockey players get drafted and play professionally, whether it be in Canada or in the US, right? And I think five years ago, if anyone would have told us that, we would have said, no, 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 no. The only athletes in youth sports that can ever get drafted into any professional league are football players. But now you're telling me football players, basketball players, soccer players and hockey players now can all get drafted into professional leagues from youth sports institutions. That's special. And that's going to fuel the growth of youth sports as a whole, because people are going to say now, listen, I can stay home. And we can talk about this later too. Full scholarships. Oh, we can mm. talk about that. Yeah, we can talk about that. <laughs> go, go. <laughs> we can talk about that. <laughs> I can stay home, get a full scholarship, play four years and get drafted professionally. Do I really need to go down south anymore? Do I what, need to What does that do for the people who economically chose between school and not school because before what were we getting? I went to Laurier as the number 1 ranked defensive back in Canada and I got $4,500. $4,500. $4,500 as a number one ranked defensive back coming out of high school. You know what I mean? That's game changer. Please tell me what, like you talked about the end result and I'm so glad that you broke it down the way that you did because yeah, when you put it that way, five years ago, a lot of people's dreams knew that they were going to come to an end, but yeah. it's not about being a millionaire. It's about providing a living for yourself, doing what you love because that is priceless in and of itself, let alone the money you actually take from a game check. But What's the impact of the new scholarship rule changes? What do you think that actually does for people coming out of high school? What do you think even they changed the entry requirements, right? They took away 
the the grade requirements in order to qualify for athletic scholarships. So I would love to hear your take on on how that's going to change things or impact things. Is it is it for the better? Are there things to watch out for? What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, uh, so I'll start with the things to watch out for. I think the things that we have to watch out for is uh, we need to, and as happy as we all are, we need to understand that there are sports that are sanctioned by youth sports and there are sports that are sanctioned by only conferences. So for example, golf. Golf in the OUA is OUA sanctioned. So they'll have like the OUA golf championships, all that stuff. But there's no youth sports golf championship because not every conference has golf as a sport, right? Uh, so what we have to watch out for are is the fact that not every sport will probably be subject to this whole full scholarships thing. I think what it means, to be honest with you, because I'm going to be honest with you, they weren't that specific in their announcement, which is, you know, typical, you know, kind of like press release fashion, fine. Uh, but from what I understand is that only the sports that are sanctioned by youth sports, so the sports that have a national championship, football, basketball, soccer, volleyball, um, that list goes on, I think wrestling, right? Like a bunch of sports, there's a bunch of sports, swimming, track and field, cross country. Um, those sports, I think, will have the opportunity to have athletes get full scholarships for sure, because those are schools that are sanctioned by youth sports. But what about the schools that are, or what about, or my bad, sports that are sanctioned by youth sports? But what about the sports that are only sanctioned by conferences? Do they get full scholarship opportunities as well? That's what we need to keep an eye on, right? Because there's going to be, a, there's a lot of athletes that are playing those sports and we can't let them go forgotten, right? We got to, we got to continue to push for them too, to make sure that they're getting compensated because listen, there are some teams out here, whether it be tennis, squash, whatever it is, rowing that are not only you know, not getting full scholarships, but are funding their own way to tournaments, you know, funding their own training, funding their own transportation, funding their own hotel stay when they got to travel across province to a championship, like doing all that themselves, right? So we have to make sure that they get fair compensation as well. We got to keep fighting for them. There was a cool story I heard a couple of years ago. I want to say it was like Calgary, Calgary's track and field team which is a youth sports sanctioned team. So they'll get full scholarships, hopefully. Um, someone had told me that, I think it was Calgary's, they had funded their entire program themselves. The athletes funded their entire program themselves, whether it be travel, food, transportation, training, everything. And they went on to, nice. like, I think they went on to win a championship. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if it was a national championship. I don't know if it was a Canada West championship, but they did really good. And they, that was a team that, fund them, that funded themselves, okay? So um, we, we got to make sure that those sports that aren't used sports sanctioned, but sanctioned by conferences, they're getting fair compensation. So let's get that out the way first. That's the important stuff. Now, the good stuff, okay? The good stuff. Uh, I think it's going to be cool. Um, first off, I think that getting rid of the, the academic requirements to enter university and, and receive your scholarship, I don't think that should have ever been in place. Uh, I don't think it should have ever been in place because... The reality is every program is different. Every program has different entry requirements. And so you can't like, you can't put the same standard for everyone um, and expect them to have to reach that to get their scholarship. One person might be trying to get into engineering and the entry and the entry requirements might be, we need your math marks, your English marks, your science marks, your chem marks, everything. And one person might be trying to get into 
comms like you and I, and it's just, you need your English marks. And you could just take a bunch of bird courses in your 12th year of university or 12th year of high school and get that, you know, above 80 average. Whereas that person trying to get into Eng might finish with a 79 average, but look at the classes they took mm. finish with that 79 average. Right. I would never, I would have, if I had taken those classes, I would have probably failed at 12, like grade 12 high school. Oh, right. There so with you. exactly. So I think getting rid of that, get that out of the way. I think it removes an academic barrier. Um, I think there is, uh, I think there is like a, a, a systemic barrier that it removes uh, when you talk about streaming, when you talk about um, all the systemic issues that exist within the current school system right now in Canada, right? When you talk about, when you talk about, for example, you know, uh, young black students who are entering in grade nine and they're streamlined into college classes because their um, their academic advisor just tells them, oh, just take this. It's easier. It's easier. You'll be fine. And they just take it, not knowing that when they reach grade 12 and they want to get to university, oh, sorry, you've been taking college classes for four years. You're not eligible. And then they got to do like a fifth year or some like prep school, whatever. Like, you know what I'm saying? Too much issues. Um, so I think it was great to get rid of that. And, uh, and I think like, and I think ultimately what it does is it levels the playing field, right? It levels the playing field. It, I don't think people should be facing barriers to get scholarships coming into university, especially considering that they're so talented coming out of high school and you're recruited based on your talent, right? Um, and and that's that, funny. Like yeah, when you say yeah. it like that, it's just common sense. You're recruited based on your talent. Yes. So maybe we can yeah. give you a little something based on your talent. Like, yes, I went to I went to states after I spent two years at Laurier. They have in every Division One school, of which there are over 125, 85 full scholarships. Now I know that the ecosystem's different; it's built different. The economics are different, but you get in the school, you get the money. There you go. <laughs> and it's you and go. it's just that simple, man. But then what that allows you to do, you focus on your craft, you focus on your studies. Because you gotta say academically eligible. So you're going to your study hall or your study tables. You're going to see your academic advisor. You're picking your courses well in advance. You've got your training that you're fully focused on. You're not working a part-time job, which is detracting from your ability to be both a student and an athlete. There you go. So yeah, man, I'm excited for it too. I'm excited for it. Yeah, you know what? You made a good point there. Uh, because I had I had I had like a debate the other day with somebody and they were like, no, we need the academic requirements so that students can, you know, still succeed academically. And I was like, that doesn't make no sense because the universities themselves have the requirements, the requirements to get in and the requirements to stay in. So why do we need to add any more? <laughs> right? Why do we need to add any more? If someone is passing in their, in their, you know, program and they have that grade that keeps them in the program, they are doing well. They're doing well enough to stay in that program, right? Now, listen, that person then told me that the program that they were in at the university that they were in, they said, yeah, but our requirement was 50%. I said, that's that's on the university for saying the benchmark so low. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Don't don't put on athletes. Like, that's on the university. But yeah, yeah. I don't think we need to put any more on these athletes, man. Let these athletes get paid for what they do. You yeah. Listen, you said, you said that at Laurier, you were the number one DB recruit in the country. You got 4,500. When I talked to Curly Gaines Jr. on Tuition Talks, he told me he got nothing. And he's arguably one of the greatest in Laurier history, in youth sports history. He got no money. That's pain. That's crazy. And that's not fair. And I, in that moment, I said, oh, my gosh. Yeah. For all the people that got 4,500, we were thinking we were getting underpaid. 
But this brother was putting Laurier back on the map mm. and not getting paid. And that's not fair. Yeah, that's rough. That's rough. That's rough. That's, so we're glad that we got full scholarships coming to U Sports 2024? 2024? 2024. Yeah. Next year. Yeah. So, Deshaun, tell us uh, what you're most excited for. Jimmy, I know I've been hogging the mic like nah, I usually bro, do tend to thing, do. Do your thing. I'm enjoying the conversation. Yeah. Y'all in the sports world, like you guys are after your career as athletes, you guys are in the sports world. So I'm loving the conversation. I got some questions too, but I'm enjoying the business side of things right now. Well, yo, I'm actually interested in the business side too. You know, let's I I know that um Persevere had a partnership with Bet99. And yeah. I mean, that's not something that you see every day. Obviously, you talked about having a, a career in corporate partnership, so you're a little bit familiar with that side of the business, but you know, just for the average listener who's out there, maybe some people are entrepreneurial, maybe some people work corporate, but like, how does something like that come into fruition? Or like, what does a bet nine nine see in uh, an organization like a Perseverance? What's the benefit for them working with you, with you all? Yeah. Um, so yeah, we have a, we have a partnership with bet nine nine, and that partnership started this year, so January twenty twenty three, and um. It's a it's a sports betting education partnership. That's what it's intended to be. Uh, so essentially, as you all know, sports betting became legalized in Canada. I want to say like last year, the year before. And I feel like we all think we're experts in sports. And so I, I feel like there's this whole thing where because people watch sports all their life and they think they're experts, they feel like they can just go and make a bet and like, you know, dash off their money like that mm. and re- get their return back quick because I've they're that. There, there we go. Right. So I don't know. I just feel like um I felt like, you know, because our target demographic is 18 to 24 and and 25 to 34, really young demographic, right? And and I felt like it was just like, hey, like, let's see if we could, you know, work with someone to kind of educate our audience in the sense of like, hey, like, here's a intro to sports betting. Um, here's some things that you should know and here's how you can maybe make some responsible, you know, decisions before you bet. Uh, that's really the intention of the partnership. And we're working towards doing that because I think it's something that we've never really seen before in the sports betting space because it's so new in Canada. Uh, but that's the intention and that's the hope. Um, and then they're also hopping on board with us in terms of uh, being able to join in on celebrating, you know, some of our U-Sports athletes. So, for example, uh, we have uh, U-Sports Athlete of the Month, Male and Female Athlete of the Month, presented by Bet99, which is going to be coming out like sometime this month for September and October and November, all that stuff, right? So um yeah they're really on board with us in terms of the education piece and they see the value in it and they're also on board with us in terms of being able to celebrate youth sports athletes which i think is really really cool too so that's kind of like what the partnership is that's what it's intended to be and and hopefully we can bring in more we can introduce more people to the youth sports landscape as well and show them how special it is and show them how we do it right how we do it and how we cover it and you know introduce them to the, the culture that we're setting and we're, we're putting together yeah, a big a big investment, an investment into U Sports and into Canadian amateur athletics. I think that says a lot about uh, where Bet Nine Nine stands on all this stuff that we've been talking about because they're they're literally getting behind it, right? Like, yeah. there's nothing more meaningful than talking with your wallet. <laughs> there you go. Yo, 
that's it. <laughs> I think something that's really cool, and I, I'm I'm interested to learn more about it. But the top top ten for uh, the the football youth sports, you've been you've been putting out the list. I've been following the list, staying in touch with that list, and you know I see my guys Laurier. They're they're undefeated, but they're not at the top yet. I'm 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 very shocked that they're not at the top yet. But tell me a little bit more about what goes into the list. Um, I remember I was listening to one of your episodes and you you have um vote, like you guys vote as a, a media company, you get to vote. So tell me a little bit more about that process and how this top 10 list is made up. Yeah, uh, so essentially the eSports top 10 is determined by two things. So there's like an ELO score ranking that kind of like takes into consideration like your, your wins, losses, kind of like recent history. And then they also uh, take votes from members of the media. Um, throughout the Canadian sports landscape. So they'll take like, I don't know, I actually don't know how many like members of the media it is because it's kind of like really anonymous of who you're voting with. Um, but they'll take a certain amount of members and they'll, they'll have, there's like a committee and every week they'll kind of reach out to you and say like, what are your votes? And then they'll basically calculate the top 10 based on ELO and then based on media votes. Um, so I'm fortunate enough to be one of the individuals that receive a media vote, which I think is really, really cool. Um, but that's a little bit how the, the top 10 is created. Now, do you want to talk about the Laurier Golden Hawks and why they're not number one? Because I can give you I'm, I can give you a reason because I got a vote. I'm, I, oh, I don't know. I'm if all ears. I'm all ears. Hey, we're fourth. I'm not mad. I'm not mad. Yeah, we've been climbing. Ahead. We've been climbing. No, you know what? I'll say this. Oh, man. Let's talk about Laurier for a little bit. Uh, Laurier has an amazing team this year, like an amazing football team. I think it's like one of their best teams since like 2016, in my opinion. Um, and like, yeah, like. They, they're like they have they have an explosive offense behind like Taylor Alvarez, this young quarterback who can win all you possibly win all the MVP and possibly ahead. They have these great receivers, Ethan Jordan, Braden Thorne, amazing run game. They have an amazing defense that's coached by like the defensive goats of like the 2016, 2017 era, like Quake Lubotang, Trayvon James, uh, Willamoa, all that stuff. Right. So they have a really solid team, but but. They're not the Western Mustangs, though. And the Western Mustangs, the Western Mustangs are the reigning undefeated Yates Cup champions. I don't want right? to hear it. I don't want to hear it anymore. <laughs> he said purple rain. He said purple rain. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Who are also um, gunning for a Yates Cup again and a Vanya Cup appearance, who also have a quarterback who could be an OUA MVP or had cracked award winner with a bunch of receivers such as Seth Robertson and Molson Jamal, uh, Savon Manny Jones, an amazing run game with a reigning mm. OUA MVP, Keon Edwards, and an amazing defense, as always. So that's why Laurie's not number one, because the Western Mustangs are number one. So, yeah. But we'll see, right? Laurier and Western Week 8 coming up soon. Ooh, that's going to be a tilt. I'm yeah. ready for that. That's going to be heavyweight cold. matchup. There you go. I like it. I like it. Well, Laurier's already punched her playoff ticket, so you know we we can rest assured that regardless of how that one goes, there's gonna be probably a rubber match eventually. I mean, that's how I'm seeing it shape up. We'll see what the bracket looks like in the playoffs. Yeah, we need to see it. The fans need to see it. The fans need to see it. Absolutely, Jimmy. What else you got up your sleeve? Because I know well, you was I know you got a, something bubbling up over there. Well, man, I mean, like when I was doing my research, uh, first of all, very impressed with how the branding has improved over the years, even over the last few months. Like I was scrolling, 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 trying to get to the bottom of the Instagram list. Uh, I only reached like January, but you could see just like the impressive, like the consistency, but also just the effort in terms of the branding, how it's improving. 
and the content's going up. And I was looking at the LinkedIn too. I, I saw, I'm like, Yo, you guys have seven people working on the team, including yourself. Um, I have seen people attempt to do uh, cover you sports or cover football specifically. You guys have been able to brand out to branch out to other sports, but tell me like, what's the system like when you're working with your team in this, in your media company, how are you guys able to almost cover like almost all aspects of you sports right now? Oof. That's a secret sauce. <laughs> are you asking for, I like the, it. Are you asking for the recipe to Pepsi? Like the recipe to Coca-Cola? Nah, tell, tell, tell us, us you how you make Canada us. dry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, share what you can with us. No, yeah, yeah. What's what roles are on your team? First of all, you know, you kept saying we, 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 and I know yeah. you ain't French, but like who is we? <laughs> yeah, I'll say this. Um I'll say this. Even when I was doing this by myself, I always said we. Even when the team was just one person, I always said we. Because the hope is that one day there would be a we. That's why, right? Um, but we have a great team. We have uh, we have graphic designers. We have writers. Uh, we have podcast producers. Um, we have people that tackle uh, partnerships with me. Um, it's really, really cool. I kind of get to have my hand in everything because uh, like that's how it was before and you know i think i'll say this like the one thing that's really really interesting is uh learning how to kind of step back sometimes um that's that's the thing that's really interesting uh because when you're used to kind of doing everything on your own in the beginning stages when you're a startup and you're bootstrapping you kind of want to you kind of get into a flow of doing, doing everything on your own and so it's like when people start to come into the fold you can't always do everything on your own and you got to remember that the people that you bring into the fold are extremely talented and you, they're they're on the team for a reason right and so i think that's the biggest thing learning how to step back um but it's cool we, we have so much fun and we have so much fun whether it be just talking about you sports whether it be like a lot of our meetings are not like your typical like really like formal meetings like we're just talking about what's happening right and we're just joking around or whatever it is and then boom idea comes up yo let's do that Right. So uh, that's kind of like how it works. But like it's a fun, fun group to work with um, people who are on the team right now are like really, really cool. And I'm happy to be working with them. And again, I'm happy to be I'm happy that this is going to something that can create opportunities for people. Um, right. Who, whether they're in university, whether they graduate university, they can create it creates opportunities to do what they've always wanted to do. Um, so I think that's really, really important, too. But that's kind of how the workflow goes. Yeah, are they are. Uh... Are they all gonna... student athletes? I just want to know if they're all student athletes. True, good question. Or former student athletes? Are they all student athletes? Um, no, no, they're not. Uh, we have some people who are former broadcasters, right? Who used to do commentary. We have some people who are former student athletes, right? So I think we have. What I'll say is this: we have people from the most unique walks of the Canadian university sports landscape or Canadian sports business landscape or Canadian sports media landscape. Like we're a really diverse team. Um, so it's really cool. So, oh my gosh. Okay. I, I got a million questions. If, yeah. okay. Question A, then question B. So as an entrepreneur though, what have been the areas where you've grown the most since you started this? Because a lot of people start stuff. I talk to a lot of my friends and just other people who transition out of the game and it it doesn't go smooth. Like it's rough. 
So like you started out this thing as an entrepreneur, you're still, you know, you got your, your day job and whatnot, but as an entrepreneur, you're obviously evolving. What's that evolution been like and what's been your biggest area of growth? Uh, I think my biggest area of growth has been, I think probably you learn about, I think you got, you learn about yourself, right? And I think, I, I honestly think to be, I don't want to say successful entrepreneur, but to be a, a consistent entrepreneur, an entrepreneur who gets to see their kind of like dream continue to grow, like you got to, you got to continue learning about yourself. You got to, you got to learn like, Hey, when do you, when does your mind come up with the best ideas? You got to learn like, Hey, how do you react to certain things? You got to, you got to learn like, Hey, like, how do you learn? How, you know, you got to continue learning these things. And as you continue to like age and continue to grow, right? Like you, like the way you learn and the way your body and your mind functions, like it continues to change. It's never going to stay the same. Like the way I think now at 26 is not the way I thought four years ago at 22. It's night and day. Even now at 26 between, you know, last year at 25, it's night and day. Uh, so I think continuing to always understand that you're going to change. Um, and I think continue to just accept that and continue to just be on that, like that mindset of like, Hey, like, let me continue to learn about myself. Have I changed? Right. Like, check in yourself like just check yourself for real like check yourself um i think that's the biggest thing i've learned but yeah there's that so can you continue continue to learn about yourself because then you continue to understand like yeah when you when you can be most like productive versus not productive burnout is a thing like it's a thing right and, and you kind of asked me before like hey how do you do so much how do you work here and do persevere and, and do the broadcast and stuff it's like because i continue to learn how to like understand how my brain functions and when i'm most productive Right. So for example, like we're like y'all reached out to me and said, when you want to do this podcast? And I said 10 p.m. because I know 10 p.m. Like 10 p.m. I just got home from yoga and like my mind is prime. And I'm like, mm. it's well, you know, and I'm and I'm in a peaceful mind state. Like I wouldn't have said like 4 p.m. or anything like that, because I know I'll be hella burnt out. I'll be <laughs> hella tired. <laughs> right. And and I'll just be wanting to sleep. Right. So 10 p.m. might seem like the most awkward time for most people, but for me, it's like, yes, 10 p.m. Like, mm -hmm. thank, thank God they have that option, right? <laughs> um, but I think it's that. And then also work-life balance too, right? Like work-life balance is like the sole key. Like as an entrepreneur, whether you have a day job and um, and your, you know, entrepreneurial initiatives, whether you're working on multiple initiatives, um, whether you're an athlete and a student, like work-life balance is so key. So I think for me, like it's always been understanding like when to step away and just be myself, when to step away and um, go to yoga, when to step away and go hang out with the friends or go to church or just like go for a walk or run, whatever it is, right? So I think like being able to establish that work-life balance and understand like the benefit of that. Cause I think a lot of people think that when you step away from your work to go live your life, it's like, yo, your, your work is gonna suffer it's like, no, 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 that's your time to recharge. And you, it's going to benefit you later when you need to actually do the work because then you'll be fresh and you'll be bright. You see what I'm saying? So work-life balance and just understanding myself. Those are the two biggest things for real. Jimmy, you, be, bro. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of a send-off, but yo, do you, do you have anything else that you wanted to... You wanted to ask our gracious guest, man? He's blessed us with an hour of his yeah. time, man. I mean... 100%. Um... This this is my question because uh okay, U Sports is growing and you guys are covering U Sports. And I think what you guys are doing is absolutely amazing. 
And from somebody who comes from a marketing background, I played at Laurier. Uh, I loved my my two and a half, three years of playing there. It was very fun. Uh, but what I see the opportunities now for athletes that are playing, I'm like, bro, I, w- I wish I could play in this era because this era looks a lot more fun than back in the days when I was grinding my face off. And I'm like, damn, like I just grinded my face off. That's it. <laughs> like I ain't get nothing. I just, just grinded my face off. Um, you guys are bringing a lot of light onto athletes. Do you think there's an opportunity for you sports athletes to start building their own personal brands and start um, benefiting off of that, similar to like what the NCAA is doing? 100%. Uh, oh, like what the NCAA is doing, that's a different question, right? So uh, you got to realize, yo, in the NCAA, we got some of these athletes making mills. Like, <laughs> yeah, <great>. money. <laughs> <laughs> like I, mean, I was yo the other day I was listening to ESPN and Caleb Williams said that he might stay another year at USC because he could make more at USC than if he did as a rookie in the league. Yo, who would have thought that NIL yeah. would reverse the power from not only the college, the athlete is taking the power from the pro teams. Yep. Like Angel Reese is making yep. more money than all of the women in the WNBA. And she still has a tutor. Like, Crazy. I'm right there with you, man. The NCAA is a different monster. It's a different, it's a different monster. But you know what? That's kind of like, if you really take it in, that's going to push these pro leagues now to really up their ante in terms of how they pay athletes and how they pay their players. Like, for, like I personally think NFL players are underpaid. Like, a lot. Like, well, CFL players, football players are underpaid. Okay? Yeah. Football players are underpaid. Let's just put that out there. Okay, every year in the NFL, you hear in the offseason, oh my gosh, this player just became the highest paid quarterback in NFL history. You hear that so often that it's not even like a really crazy buzzline anymore. But back to the question. Um, yeah, I think to be honest, in Canada, I think there is tons of opportunity for athletes to be building their brand and monetizing their brand. And no, I don't think uh, athletes are going to be making like a mill. Maybe not in our lifetime, but mm. maybe one day. No, hopefully. But is there opportunity for athletes to make a K, like a couple K per year? 100%. Is there opportunity for athletes to get free products? 100%, right? So we know free products, free clothes, free food, um, couple K, that can go a long way, right? You know what I'm saying? We know. Um, so is there opportunity for that? I think so. Uh, I think over the next couple of years, you'll definitely be seeing uh, student athletes diving into that a little bit more and uh, taking their their branding seriously. I don't think student athletes right now take their branding as seriously as they should, to be honest with you. And and to be honest, I actually also don't think that it should have taken um, nil for athletes to take their brand seriously in general, because the reality is once you graduate from university and go into the real world, you're going to have a brand and that brand is going to be what lands you those professional opportunities that you seek. You see what I'm so nil shouldn't have to be the Kickstarter for you to take your brand seriously. Like, let's put that out there, right? Yeah. Like, it should be the rest of your life after university that kickstarts your will to want to take your brand seriously. Um, but yeah, I think because of that, you'll definitely see athletes step into the nil space. Uh, there's no rules against it in Canada. There never was any rules against it in Canada, to be honest. I, I don't mm. think it was before, even before this whole US thing happened in the NCAA. I think athletes in Canada were allowed to actually be monetizing their brand. I don't think there's anything against it, but no one was exploring it, right? So because there's, no, there's no amateurism in Canada because you're yeah. paying to go to school anyway. Yeah. Exactly. There you go. There you go. And so and, and so I think too is like, 
Um, but also another thing too is because I, I think also athletes didn't really take it in that they could monetize their brand because they kind of just felt they kind of just felt that whole system of like, ah, oh, no one cares about us. Like people think what we do is boring. No one on our campus even knows who we are, that type of thing. Right. But now, listen, when you have certain media companies that are shedding light on these athletes and putting them at the forefront, that is building their brand for them, right? Now they're going to say, oh, people do care about us. Okay. People do follow us because, you know, they see this, this, and this. And people do care about who we are. Let's try to see if we can do something. So to answer your question, I think, yeah, athletes are definitely going to dive into that space. Uh, I don't think they're going to be making a mill off yeah, the jump. Not, like Caleb not yet. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Hopefully one day. I truly believe hopefully one day. Because, yes, it's small steps. But I think there's opportunity for athletes to to make like a couple K a year to get free product, to get, you know, you know, free food and all these things. Uh, take advantage. And they got to take advantage of that. You know, and I think like they shouldn't be discouraged by the fact that it's not the Caleb Williams money or it's not the 100K, or even the tens of Ks. Like understand what you can get. Like, yo, understand that like what you get can really make a big difference in your life. Like, especially now if you're getting a full scholarship, imagine what an extra 5K now can actually do for you. Like that's, mm. oh, that's money that you could use for whatever you want. That could be your rent money for your year. And then now, you, now you're really living, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, I think we'll get there. We're going to get there. And, you know, hopefully I ain't going to say that. Hopefully maybe Persevere will be stepping into that space and, you know, doing a little bit more to help these athletes get there. Um, but yeah, we'll get there. Speak it into existence, brother. For hey, real. if there was, if there was one Canadian athlete, uh, like a Canadian national or a Canadian international professional or amateur um doesn't matter what sport doesn't have to be football who is one canadian athlete you would really love to sit down and have a one-on-one -on -one with and you know get your production company to really tell their story oh man you know what i want to do and i really want to do this this past summer um so i love basketball i played football but i love basketball as you can tell from my background uh, I follow a lot of Canadian basketball. And this past summer in the CBL, the Scarborough Shooting Stars had three really like top tier youth sports players on their team. Um, Thomas Kennedy, who was the reigning youth sports player of the year from the Windsor Lancers. Uh, David Moinkat, who was the reigning youth sports defensive player of the year. He was from the St. FX X-Men. And uh, David Walker, he was a Division One guy that transferred over to TMU, started the season coming off the bench and ended the season as their number one scoring option, and then got drafted into CBL and became a starter. So he's big time, right? They were all playing for Scarborough Shooting Stars. What I really wanted to do was I really wanted to get them all in one room together mm -hmm. and just talk you sports, just talk about your careers. You have a conversation, you know what I'm saying? Um, because it's like you're bringing three guys from three different paths of, you know, U sports. you got a Windsor guy, a TMU guy that went D1, and you got a St. FX guy who also went to Juco, comes back to Canada, plays from Brampton, goes to the AUS. Like, I want I wanted to bring them together and really have a conversation with them. That would have been super, super cool. Um, but I don't know if that could happen anymore. Thomas Kennedy graduated. He's done. I think he's playing overseas. Uh, David Moinkat, he graduated. He's playing overseas. David Walker, he's still in U Sports, he's still at TMU, so we'll get him this year. Nice. Hey, well, I, I speak for myself, but I'm sure I'm speaking for a lot of other people. So excited to see what you do next, man. Uh, there's a lot of amazing stories. I like to think that 
you know, during my time playing youth sports, just in the people I met personally, the stories were were crazy enough to make at least a couple of movies. But with the platform that you're developing, those stories are going to have a chance to see the light of day now. So, man, we appreciate you. Thank you so much. Can you please let everybody who's listening to this know where they can learn more about what you're building? Yeah, first off, I want to say thank y'all. Um, Cause y'all keep saying I'm gracing y'all my presence, but y'all blessing me with the opportunity to tell my story and just chop it up with y'all. So thank you so much for creating this platform, right? Um, I think cause that's important. You guys are also contributing to this whole thing that we're talking about by creating this form of media and putting that out there. You guys are also contributing to telling stories. So thank y'all for you know creating this and giving me the opportunity. Um, so appreciate y'all. In terms of persevere, uh, listen. Um, if you're looking for that industry leading, industry leading, uh, youth sports coverage, make sure you follow us on Instagram at persevere underscore P R S V R E underscore hit us up on Twitter at persevere underscore P R S V R E underscore. You could hit us up at persevere.com P R S V R E.com. Um, make sure you listen to take it or leave it podcast. Number one, youth sports football podcast in Canada available on Apple, Apple podcasts. Uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, we got the Ball Nut podcast coming out soon for season two, beginning in a couple of weeks, new sports basketball. Again, all podcast streaming platforms. And uh, look out for our YouTube channel that will be growing over the next couple of months with more original productions, um, telling the stories of these great athletes that we have in this country. So that's where you can find us. That's where you can hit us up. Yeah, we'll make sure to include all of that in the show notes. Yo, Courtney, any uh, last quotables before we end off? Man, all, all the great talent right here, man. We even got to leave home. I love it. Exactly. That's it. That's it. All right, y'all. We'll see you guys in the next one. Peace.